welcome to the weekly rundown. This is our first episode, and it's debuting on Friday the 16th of July in the great year of 2021. Joe Biden is president, and no, I'm not joking. I'm Andrew, I'll be by myself today, and uh, I'm excited to give you guys a weekly rundown. Uh, let's dive right into our first story. Alright, so the first article that I want to kind of discuss is CNBC's article titled California Governor Newsom is facing a recall. Here's what to know and why he'll likely win. So, that's the title by CNBC. I personally am a little bit mixed on whether or not he will win his recall election. Um, I'm personally in the voting group. Well, I'm not in the voting group, sadly. But I'm in the side that says that uh, I believe he needs to go. Uh, I believe that there are going to be a lot of people in this election who will say that same sentiment. But I don't know if ultimately it will be enough to make sure that he is no mas. As some might say. So, let's briefly dive into a few few details so we'll talk about first off uh, Gray Davis the Democrat who in 2003 lost to Arnold Schwarzenegger in his recall election um, that was the first time in a long time that a Republican ruled California, Democrat land, (laughs) Um, and I believe it might be time for new leadership again. I'm a little bit worried about Caitlyn Jenner. I thought at first that she was a very good candidate to unseat Gavin Newsom. I thought uh, she had been a possible big talking head, somebody who could appeal to a large population of the masses who I thought, you know, could swing us some Democratic voters who would tend to vote in the LGBTQ community, in the, that sort of genre, but after watching a uh, campaign uh, video on her where she had been giving a debate speech, uh, people were asked kind of where her uh, politics are rooted, where she cares about what's going on and it, it was it was it was it was strictly personal is what she kind of made it out to be and you know we have no room for that that's nothing that that's not something that we want that's not what we want our brand to be associated with in the state of California and there are many candidates who will go with a much more America first platform that will really appease appeal to what we want and appease what we need from our candidates um i hope that jenner gets a fair shake i hope that people uh can look past certain things from the past that may have made people disagree with her but, uh, you know, you hope she gets a fair shake. So, let's get back to uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, many people in California have signed this petition in order to make sure that he faces a recall election for the sheer purpose uh, of getting out of these COVID lockdowns. People really are sick and tired of constantly being in a position where they have to listen to this person in charge and then listen to that person in charge and then you know people are tired of the overstep on their boundaries people are tired of constantly having to say you know stay at home say uh they can't go to summer camp people can't do sports couldn't do this and that and they're tired of having to sit around idly and allow Governor Newsom to do whatever the hell he wants in this situation and just create a situation that many people absolutely cannot approve of. Um, 
people want to be able to do stuff people want to be able to do the things that they love they want to be able to open their businesses they want to be able to have their livelihood restored and they're tired of gavin newsom's leadership and they want something different and i think come september 14th we very might like we very possibly could see something new we very possibly could see a change of leadership somebody who will have a different thought process who won't uh specifically go straight to lockdowns right away anymore you know we might see what nfl teams do in this situation we might see a guy who's completely different than what we have in leadership right now um the eagles uh you know it's coming out recently that doug Peterson got fired because he was too much of a fighter of uh spielman and of ownership so they got a yes man they got nick sirianni a guy who absolutely will say yes sir whatever you say whatever you want we'll start whoever you want we'll do whatever you need in order for you to succeed but you know that's not exactly what you want that all you want somebody who's going to be in position to help you out who's always going to look out for himself and that's you know we're starting to see that we're seeing that as a problem all right now let's dive back in somebody one of uh the candidates who is possibly going up for the recall is the former mayor of san diego kelvin falconer i believe that's the name uh, another guy is uh, former U.S. Rep. John Cox of Sacramento, Caitlyn Jenner, who we've briefly talked about. Um, who Now, Caitlyn Jenner, I forgot to mention, is also running with Brad Parscale, uh, Trump's former campaign manager. So she's pulling out all the stops here. She's really trying to win this election, trying to make California hers. And I, I think it's very possible. I think you can see, uh, you know, Californians living in their makeup land in their, you know, BS paradise. So, you know, I, I very much can see this happening. I can see them blindly vote for somebody that they don't really know what's going on, what they don't really, you know, understand what their beliefs are. But just screw it. Let me do it. You know, we need it. Uh, some different leadership. And I can see it. You know, it's something that I don't want to put too much of an opinion on at this point. But it's something to very much look into later on down the point. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner is going to be an interesting candidate. And I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of news coverage based on her in the future. Um... A poll conducted in early May by the Public Policy Institute of California, or PPIC, found that 50% of likely voters would support Newsom in the election, while 40% would vote to recall him. Now, those numbers are a little bit high. Those are numbers are a lot, a lot better than uh, that guy Davis that they. Sorry, hiccups here. My bad. Very first podcast. This is terrible, but um. 57% of votes saying that he would be supported is a lot better off than Gray Davis. So I might be getting ahead of myself. I don't want to put that in your head, but it, it is something to look out for. And if you're from California, please swipe up in the, please say something in the comments. Tell me how you feel. Oh boy. Hope nothing happened. All my stuff just went black. Oh boy still on am i still going uh this might have to be in there am i still recording yeah okay i'm still recording <coughs> all right how you doing so the poll had also found that Newsom's job approval rating among likely voters is 54%, which is almost double Davis's approval rating in 2003, uh, according to that PPIC president, Mark Baldessier. So to explain this uh, data, Baldessier cites two important indicators of Newsom's standing that dramatically improved between January and May of this year 
This includes California's perceptions about the U.S. economy and COVID, which are both data points recorded in the poll as well. Which, which is very fair. People are, you know, that is almost everybody's main concern in the United States at this point. Almost everybody is interested in making sure that their family members are safe and making sure that they can still put a meal on the table, making sure that they can do whatever they like to do without feeling the real problems of the Biden inflation gap, of all of the problems that we see with Joe Biden and, uh, you know, gas is getting expensive. Everything's getting expensive. Gas is, I believe, a dollar more than it was last year at this time. And, you know, that's, uh, it's, those are scary numbers. You, you, you want to say that things are going to be all right, but like, you know, you got this guy in office and who knows what's going to happen. Um, not to, but going back to my point about the fact that Newsom is still looking somewhat good is, uh, his numbers have gotten better over the past few months. So, you know, uh, us Republicans out here, we might have to, uh, put away our, uh, excitement for another time we might have to wait a little bit because uh this poll found that 51 percent of likely voters expect that the u.s economy will be in good condition in the next 12 months that's something that's going to play into newsom's favor if they thought that he was going to do really poorly if they thought that he was going to actually really you know really screw us up you know and there's still a 49 percent chance that you know Obviously, it's not going to be all 49. It's probably going to be some undecided. It's going to be some that says, you know, I don't know too much. But, um, you know, it's still a relatively low number, just barely a majority. But, uh, you know, hopefully you're seeing some positive signs. And at the end of the day, we're not exactly looking for, you know, something bad to happen to this dude. We're hoping he does some good policy and we're proven wrong at some point. But that's not what it's been. It's been terrible policy. It's been overstepping on people's rights. It's been infringing on everything that we deserve, everything that we've earned as a country. And uh, I can't imagine how Californians can stand by and just approve of what's going on with their state. This is terrible leadership. We're, I, I make a lot of posts on Silent Majority over, you know, these just... Ron DeSantis making very good choices. We're going to talk a little bit in a little bit about uh, critical race theory and how uh, what Governor Ducey out in Arizona has been doing. Um, you know, there's good leadership in the United States and there's bad leadership in the United States. And more often than not, we're starting to see it. It's pretty bad leadership in these Democratic cities. Look at Detroit for years and years and years. It's jokes, but it's a joke of you know, how bad it is, but it, it is really bad. We, we, we need to understand that, you know, this is not just the fact that they've been poor economically. It's their choices are being led to this and their choices are democratic candidates. The Democrats have no idea how to make a city or an, an economy strive. And we're seeing it with Joe Biden. Look at what he's doing to our economy. Look at what he's doing to our sweet, sweet companies. Look at what he's, how much he's hurt us as a society. Um, you know, Democratic leadership has not been as strong as it has been in the past, and neither has Republican leadership, and we can recognize that. But we're getting a different party of sorts with people like DeSantis joining, with people like Trump being echoed into our party we're becoming a different party we're growing we're becoming a better party and i i love where it's going i think that we're going to be a populist party and we're going to help a lot of people way down the line and a lot more people will get on board with what we're talking about with we'll get more on board with the discussion that we're having and kind of understand our policy and our discussion a little bit more I hope that you guys will as well, as I uh, bring us to our next topic.
All right, so our next topic is Doug Ducey, the Arizona governor, who announced the signing of two different bills uh, in order to help ban critical race theory in public schools. Um, there's been some blowback to this. There's been some uh, appreciation for this amongst our Republican uh, voter base. I know a lot of people are excited about the idea of getting rid of uh, critical race theory in our schools, especially, you know, in Republican schools, we are fighting for it. But um, there's some blowback, there's some supportment for it, so uh, I'm kind of just going to look into what it is, what it's saying, and uh, hope we can all kind of come to an agreement at the end of this segment. So, I'm talking from, I'm pulling up an article from The Hill. It's got 43,000 shares, so it's by Jordan Williams, published 7-9. So, it's a couple days old, but, um, you know, hopefully you guys can still uh, get some something good from it so he signed a bill on friday last friday a week from today preventing local governments from teaching critical race theory uh house bill 2906 prohibits the state and any local governments from requiring their employees to engage in an orient orientation training or therapy that suggests any employee is inherently racist sexist or oppressive whether cons consciously or unconsciously do she's Ducey's office said in a statement. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the Arizona State House Senate State House passed the bill in a 31 to 25 vote, according to records from the state legislature. The state Senate passed the bill on a 16 to 12 vote. So, you know, this has constantly been a somewhat Republican versus Democrat thing, something that, you know, Democrats are saying this is history, this is the news, this is something that you guys are trying to be ignorant against, and in reality, it's racism, it's us saying that it's okay to say this or that about a certain race, whether or not we believe that's true, whether or not we all understand that to be true, and I think Ducey is another l person on the line, you know, somebody like Ron DeSantis already has a bill as well on uh, critical race theory and the teachings of it in schools. It's something that many conservatives and I think more parents in general should be against. It's something that just really straight up teaches you that if you're born white, you are a racist. You're forced to be racist no matter what you are, what you're doing. You're benefiting from racism and you're doing things that are uh, keeping the racism going in this country and you're bad for that. No matter what you do when you're born, you're bad. You're bad for being white when you're born. And uh, as a person who's not even from this country, that irks me. That makes me upset because I really, you know, I like the values that I have because of the fact that I've seen other stuff, I've seen what other things are, and I have the values that I have because of what I've seen within the United States itself. Um, I'm not super, super big on long, long history. I'm based on what I've seen. I... It's the right way of going, the Republican way, you know. People need to stop pushing this racism that, you know, no matter who you are, you're if you're white, you're racist. Like, no, my family did not own slaves in this country. My family was not one of those. And, you know, if I must remind you all, <laughs> parties did not switch. Republicans were the side of the North the people who said that, you know, slavery is wrong, that we're not for it, that we're not okay with it, and, you know, 
now the Democrats want to put you back in that system of sorts. You know, they want to say, hey, we'll provide for you, but in reality, they're not going to give you all of your needs. They're not going to give you the things that will truly make you a better individual in the society and will truly give you a advantage in society. They're just going to give you the bare minimum to make it look like they've done something. Sorry, let's get back to the topic. Um, so... The American Federation of Teachers, one of the nation's largest teachers' unions, has pledged to defund members who teach honest history of the United States. That's something that has come from the American Federation of Teachers. That is not something that I've personally said. Um, the nation's education association has made a similar pledge. So, even if there's commonality even if there's common mantra knowledge that this is false we're still gonna have the teachers of the united states we're still gonna have the people you know and i i know many good teachers i know many people who don't want to do this to your kids who don't want to indoctrinate your youth we're very good teachers who won't teach you this stuff but the problem is that there are that many Americans and that many teachers who have made it up the ranks and is now able to do this against our kids with best wishes against what our kids really truly need. And I think that's a problem. It, it scares me to know that when I have kids eventually, they're going to have to go into this environment. They're going to have to experience this situation. And it's something that can really piss me off at times. It makes me really want to do homeschooling. It makes me think about it again. And I, I, there's always the thought that I don't want to put my kid in a GED. But in reality, I feel like I could teach my kids so much more about life than what a lot of these teachers can. Just because a lot of these teachers, they, you know, they live in this made-up world. They live in this world where everything communist is beautiful where everything like that is amazing and i it scares me that we're getting more and more radical every you know so years so what's going to happen when i truly do have kids you know i'm still a fairly young man i i can i have some time before i have kids but it, it is a thought process at some point that you know i will have to have kids you know and they will have to go to school at some point what do I do with that? Do I send them to homeschool or do I put them through this hell and see what comes out of it? You know, I was personally uh, raised through the public education system and I'm thankful that my parents did. I, but I grew up in a fairly nice neighborhood. I grew up in a good school district where a lot of the parents were very serious about their kids, where a lot of the parents would be on a Monday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning screaming at a teacher about a test grade that they didn't like. You know, that was the kind, and the teachers would fix it. And that was the kind of shit that we were used to. That was the kind of teacher-parent uh, relationship, teacher-parent-student kind of relationship. I, I want to add all three sects in that uh, one conversation because I think they're all important, but you know, that was the relationship where, you know, your parents very much pushed for everything that you they wanted you to have, and it, it's kind of showy. It's kind of a point where, you know, people have to get to a point. It's, it's interesting. And, well, sorry, I didn't mean to get off all on that tangent, but, you know... <laughs> certain things that you know covid has really pulled back a mask for a lot of parents who didn't really know what their kids were learning about and this is you know just another opportunity to stop what the curriculum is in some of these places we don't really like the idea of critical race theory we don't really like the idea of our kids being indoctrinated into this thinking that no matter what, if you're a white person, you're going to be racist against black people. You're going to be racist against other colors. And, you know, I must say that that's very false. I 
have a mixed family. I have a family of many Spanish people, many white people, I have black people in my family. I, I have all types of people in my family, and that's just, you know, evolution and such, and that's marriage and stuff, but, you know, you see a whole different group of races, and, you know, you really do appreciate different races, and I don't think you need it to be forced down your throat inside of a school setting where some of these times, some of these teachers are just out of college. Some of these teachers are, you know, way, you know, some of these teachers are still racist at points where they're 75 years old still having to teach and they're stuck in their ways. And we see that all the time. If you've ever gone into a grocery store and talked to a 75-year-old about politics, how likely are they to change what they're thinking? It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but we have time. We need to make the provisions that we need to make and we need to make sure that critical race theory is not something that is taught in public schools and this might be another dividing point that goes towards kind of a civil conflict between democrats and republicans this is kind of a scary moment this is a scary time for us and i hope that we can all succeed i hope that we can all get to the same common shared history but it's being problematic at times, and I hope that we can get back onto a good path, a successful future for ourselves. Now, with that, I'd like to talk about our next topic. Alright, so I'd like to jump right into our next topic, which is thousands and thousands of Cuban citizens running out to the streets getting angry about the level of corruption and just the sheer government the governance of Cuba is causing many many problems is causing many people to feel that they're not well represented to feel that they're not gonna be looked after and people are starting to get a little bit scared. There are thousands of starving Cubans running into the streets in protest over the communistic rule. It's beautiful in some ways for a lot of Republicans because we're kind of just like, yeah, we told you so. This is absolutely god-awful in every single way. And um, I think you guys should trust us in that sense. But it's also terrible because we don't want humans to be living like this. We don't want people to see that this is what life actually really is in some countries, and some people really need to see this. Some people need to see what's going on there and understand that, you know, this isn't good. This isn't a good way of governance. This isn't a way that any American should ever want to be uh, guided. This shouldn't be the way that we live as a society, and I'm a little bit scared for what's going to happen there. I've been seeing some uh, reports saying that we should probably bomb Cuba, and I'm like, that's a terrible idea. I don't think we should get involved as much as possible. I want nothing to do with the issues that Cuba has to do going with. Yeah, I, I just, I'd love for their freedom. I want them to follow through with something like what the American Revolution was, what they get to see just a, a separation from a single party rule and somebody who's going to cripple their country but I, I want no part of it as a US citizen I, I don't want to be in any more matters that we don't I don't want to be in any matters that we don't have to be in and I, I want us to play our cards close um, saw a video where this guy was complaining about the Cuban government building hotels and then, you know, it's a communistic rule. So all of the money is in the government. So whatever they choose to do will ultimately, you know, have side effects. So if they plan on building a hotel, that means that many normal human beings within the Cuban walls, they don't get food. They don't get to eat like we do. They don't get to 
have certain luxuries in life that we're kind of accustomed to and it kind of just it, it's it's very shitty for them to have to deal with this it's very disappointing for a country at this point in life to have to deal with the problems of communism and then for our own people in our country to sit here and tell us that this is the best way of rule oh it's not true socialism it's awful you know and then you're seeing president joe biden and you know jen Psaki, his press secretary they refuse to say the words communism whenever they're talking about cuba they refuse to denounce any ideals of the communistic movement and you know in some aspects that can definitely be because they're you know constituents the the people that give them money are telling them that they need to be this way that they need to look at things this way but you know it, it's a very very terrible thing and we see it time and time again of uh, this revolt against communistic control nobody likes having that level of control in your in their lives nobody wants to have you know people controlling every single thing that they do because at the end of the day you don't normally get the resources that you normally need with that i have a article up here it says that one reported dead in one death reported so far as of tuesday that this guy patrick oppman from cnn patrick oppman and al goodman sorry from cnn uh they wrote this article and it's talking about just cuba so let's dive into this article i'll read it for you guys i'll read what i'm kind of talking about and then uh i'll give you my general belief about it um so they're calling it anti-government activists Cuba say that more than a hundred people have been arrested or are missing on the island following widespread protests on Sunday. So as of Sunday, they're already reporting that there are hundreds of people that have been arrested slash missing. Now, in most uh, communistic regimes, if somebody's gone missing, they dead. They're they're gone. They they're never coming back. That that person is either dead or they found a way to flee the country. Which good for them. <laughs> if they did but you know i was watching a interview by marco rubio earlier and uh he happened to say that if cuba causes a mass migration of cubans into say the united states or some other world entity uh, that is reasonable that is action that can reasonably be accounted for with a wartime effort now, that could be a very scary, daunting thing, but in reality, Marco, I believe Marco's right. If we just allow Cuba to treat their, uh, to treat their citizens like shit, and then we're going to bail their people out, you know, that's, it's just going to keep going with this process. It's just going to keep telling them that, you know, it's okay for you to do what you're doing you know, the good old people in the United States will help you out. The good old people in, you know, I have a feeling China is kind of helping them out in certain aspects with silencing their internet and other, you know, we already see it that they've gotten internet uh, blocking platforms speak straight through uh, China. So it would, it's, it's not a stretch of the imagination to believe that they're a part of the they're a part of the beneficial a part of the process of helping out cuba and their government so that leads us let's well let's continue reading um says one person died during clashes with police on monday cuba's ministry of interior said tuesday according to state-run radio rebelde uh, i'm gonna guess that says radio rebel or rebel radio something of that nature from my few years of Spanish taking, but uh, do not know Spanish that well, so I don't want to culturally appropriate. Although Crowder says to culture to appropriate is to appreciate, and I my oh my do I appreciate the Spanish heritage. Just wanted to say that. 
Um, the Cuban government has not said how many people were arrested or injured in the disturbances, uh, which, of course, it's a communistic regime. They're never going to tell you the true numbers, as we saw in COVID, as we with China, as we saw with other many other countries. You know, they're never going to tell you how bad it is until it's absolutely essential and until they've got like cuba thousands of people rioting in the streets and saying that they're fed up with the rule of their government saying that they're done not getting any food when in when the country's still going to be making money it's something that needs to be corrected it's something that if your friends are saying hey communism might work you know th there's a city around me you know buffalo they just elected a socialist mayor recently. I, I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know if anybody's really going to be supportive of that, if anybody's going to uh, succeed because of that. You know, it, it's always marketed as put the power back into the people, but in reality, it never puts the power back into the people. It just asks you to give the government more power, and then in reality, they're never going to fix the things that you actually want. We've seen it time and time again, and we're seeing it more and more, and now we're seeing it where Republicans, no, sorry, Democrats are pushing for more and more, um, more and more government overhaul, government overreach, and trying to get more power into those hands that we don't necessarily need or want the power to be into. So... Cuba is a real big warning sign, and I think for the next 20 years, it'll, it will be. This can be a massive warning sign for a lot of countries not to go this way. Uh, Myanmar, there's a, there are protests still going on there. It's been, I don't even know how many days I gotta check into how many days. Sorry about that. I just hit my mic. But, you know, at this point, we don't even know what's going to happen with a lot of countries. Um, you hope Cuba will be alright. You know, I'm seeing, as I read further into this CNN article, um, these are the largest protests on the island in decades. Sorry, this is a, this is a quote from CNN. As Cubans complained about a lack of food and medicine as the country undergoes a grave economic crisis aggravated by the COVID-19 pandemic and U.S. sanctions. Please, leave in the comments if you guys have seen the news coverage talking about this and only linking it to COVID-19. No, this has been years and years and years. Ben Shapiro makes a great point on this, where it's been years and years of just constant, you know, complaints about this government rule, complaints about the fact that you can't get food, but hotels are opening up, that you can't do certain things in this environment that you normally would be able to in other environments. And it's just, it's very telling. It's, you don't get rights in this society. You don't get to do the things that you want to do in a normal civilization like this. And I think it's very telling that this is what's happening because, you know, it, it, people get fed up in time. And I think it might happen here in the United States with, you know, the Greater Idaho Movement. Look at that look at people saying I'm fed up I don't want to be led by you anymore I, I want to move towards Idaho you know the northern part of California is saying we're not well represented here we're, we're constantly getting democratic control and I talked in the beginning of this podcast about how there's a possibility for Newsom to be recalled but at the end of the day that doesn't do enough. Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be beneficial, and look at what happened. We got many, many more years of Democratic control. You can't, you know, you can't teach stupid people to not do stupid things. You can just hope that they do better things, and they learn and do better things in the future, but they don't. These Democrats, they don't learn. <laughs> uh, but, hey, maybe, uh, it's what we need. Maybe we do need to restructure these party lines, restructure the way that these lines are drawn so that way people can be well represented, people can be represented by the people that they believe should be representing them. We're already seeing that where, you know, there are certain movements of defund the police and certain people are saying that it's more beneficial to them, so let them be that way. But, you know, why not also say that the people that are not well represented by their government are allowed to leave and 
go to a place where they are represented, where the things that matter the most to them will be cared for, will be looked after, will have some place in the general conversation of politics. And that's kind of something what Cuba wants. Cuba wants to have a ability to talk about, you know, to have their issues fixed. Something that communism is supposed to do. They're supposed to feel confident in their ability to, there's, in their ability to have the government be there to solve their issues. But when the government fails on you time and time again, which we see everywhere, you know, the. <laughs> I forget exactly which president this is. It might be, uh... I don't want to guess and then sound dumb, but, um... There's a former president that says, you know, the nine worst words are, I'm with the government and I'm here to help. I don't know if that was nine... Okay, yes, that was nine words. That was me counting out of my hands to the side. I wish you guys could have seen that, but... It was bringing me back to my second grade mathematics classes. But, um, yeah, those nine words are some of the most dangerous words. And I for is that Reagan? I want to say it's Reagan. I want to say Reagan said that. And then there was the whole big meme about how Joe Biden was pretty much saying that. And it's like, yeah, the best way to fix a problem is to take the problem out of it. <laughs> and that problem usually is the government and what they're doing to you. So... That's kind of what Cuba's doing. They're seeing that, hey, the problem is that we've uh, invested everything in our lives to you, and we've invested everything that we've got to try to have you guys save what's wrong with us. And, you know, their government just is not doing that for them, and it, it's problematic. It can cause a lot of problems for the people, and I would say that the Cuban people deserve a lot more. Uh, there should be a lot more to track on this in the next, in the future weeks, and uh, I probably will um, be in the comments section and let me know what you guys want to talk about. Um, you know, I, I can definitely do a lot more on uh, what's going on in Cuba. So, with that, that kind of reminds me of our next topic, and uh, I want to talk about the Biden Art Galleries. So that's coming right up. Alright, so yes, I want to talk about the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Biden household, White House auctions. So, currently we've seen that there has been an influx of art auctions going on in Washington, D.C., specifically at one location, the White House, and I'm looking at a BBC article currently uh, titled, White House Defends Role in Hunter Biden Art Sale. Of course they do. They have to. They can't just say, yeah, fuck it, we did this. Uh, but, you know they did um so let's talk about it um so first line says paintings by hunter biden are expected to fetch up to five hundred thousand dollars about three hundred sixty thousand euros a piece at auction this autumn so this is about this is, hasn't happened quite per se but this is gonna happen any buyers will be kept anonymous to stop them seeking political influence with the bidens Yes, as they say. They say that, you know, we won't get to know their names. We won't get to know who is buying these paintings, these god-awful paintings that can't imagine crack addict Hunter Biden, who just a few months ago was, you know, smoking Parmesan because he needed to get his fix in. But yes, this guy, who has been painting for a total of about two months at this point, is now painting, is now making about $500,000 painting checks. That's what I would have said right there. You know, he is making a boatload of money very quietly. Well, 
maybe not too quietly, you hear me talking about it, but in the annals of the White House, he is making a ton of money privately, so nobody can really know about it for safety. Makes sense. A former White House ethics chief said the arrangement was very disappointing. The younger Biden's business dealings in Ukraine, China, and elsewhere have often been held up by Republican critics as a conflict of interest for his father, which both Bidens deny. A little bit insane, especially since we've seen the laptops, we know what's been going on, we've seen the text messages, we've seen the emails, we know who the big man up top is. Joe, you're corrupt, you're doing this behind everybody's backs, maybe not behind everybody's backs, kind of in front of everybody at this point. Everybody knows you've been doing this. So, now, we're kind of, it's kind of just our, our time to have some fun and uh, look at what they're doing kind of blatantly in front of our eyes. Hunter is currently facing a federal tax investigation, though he has said he is 100% certain. Yes, this guy's character has been absolutely amazing. We get mad at Trump, but, you know, this guy's under federal tax investigation. That's not a problem to you, Democrats? It's ridiculous. Y'all are insane. Look at this stuff. Come on. Just take a second and read some other news. Read something that doesn't just say exactly what you want to say, what you want to hear. When asked on Friday about the White House's reported role in the art sale, Press Secretary Jan Psaki said, After careful consideration, a system has been established that allows for Hunter Biden to work in his profession within reasonable safeguards. His profession, he started this about two months ago. He... It's it's not fair to call this a profession. It's not fair to say that this is something that Hunter Biden should be doing. This is, it's not fair to say that this is something that Hunter Biden has been doing. I don't understand why it's okay for us to say that it's alright for him to do these uh, videos, to do these private sales on kind of our dime. We, we have to organize this based off of taxpayer money. I think that's a little bit unnerving to begin with. You know, I feel like that's something that can make people upset right off the jump. So, so I'll, I'll continue reading. As a part of the arrangement, the buy the arrangement. Sorry, the buyers are supposed to remain anonymous to Hunter Biden, who is a self-taught artist. Ooh, we love those. Somebody who really honed their skills throughout. There are many experiences in life, like doing crack, smoking Parmesan cheese. Very nice. Love it. In order to prevent influence peddlers seeking to curry favor with the U.S. president. So, they're trying to stop bribes, but I, I saw... Hold on. It might reference what I was going to say in two seconds. Give me a two Let's continue reading. But Walter Schwab, who served as ethics chief under President Barack Obama, rejected the White House's claim that the arrangements would ensure transparency. Mr. Schwab, who was an outspoken critic of former President Donald Trump, wrote on Twitter, So instead of disclosing who's paying outrageous, outrageous sums for Hunter Biden's artwork so that we could monitor whether the purchasers are gaining access to the government, the White House tried to make sure we will never know who they are. That's very disappointing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Mr. Schwab. It, it, this is a basic, basic thing that can tell United States citizens, hey, this is what I'm doing. You can trust what I'm doing. I'm not going to be corrupt. I'm nothing, you know. They called Trump a corrupt politician. Give your side of the argument. Why don't you put up your chance to say, hey, Biden's not corrupt. Well, they can't. This is what happens. They have to be corrupt, so they can't even they can't even give you a single shred of proof that they're not corrupt. And I find it absolutely hilarious. And of course it is. Of course this is what's happening. But it's it's just 
it, it, listen, you guys gotta pay attention to this stuff. You guys gotta listen to this information. You gotta research your own. You gotta understand that you know there's so much information out there right at this point to be had. So we have to do it ourselves. We have to look into it. This is a fairly big story, if but it'll get swept under the rug without any consideration because you know this is just not something that happens to be huge. You know, this is not something that's gonna make you super interested but at the end of the day this is something that in my opinion is high level corruption this is a government official who was elected on a interesting election in an election that was highly testified that was highly uh criticized that was highly questioned we have a guy who is now doing this kind of stuff in office and when we see revolutions I'm not trying to cause people to think that I'm calling for this I'd, I absolutely not but when we see a revolution it's oftentimes similar stuff to this it's an election that's disputed that people don't often fully agree with the results and it comes from corrupt government rule once there is that it comes from inflation where people can't eat where people can't get their gas where you know people can't get the regular things that they want in life and we're seeing it all under biden and it's a kind of scary thought because you don't know what could happen you don't know what groups could erupt from the high inflation rates I, I think it's possible that there are people that get angry because of the rule of government I'm not saying I will be one of those members but I would understand it I would understand people saying that uh, this is not a good way of government and we're not accepting of this and we're seeing partial movements of that with the greater Idaho movement like I suggested uh, there's other movements of breakaways where you know Texas has threatened of course many times and it's just many places don't feel like the Democrats represent them and it's getting to a point where people are very uncomfortable with their rule and vice versa and who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what party is going to feel strong enough? Who knows what party is going to do whatever they're going to do? We kind of just got to be along for the ride, and I feel that a big part of that is just... I'm sorry, very sorry. I have hiccups right now. Ooh. But what I was saying is that I feel that all we can really do is know what's going on and I feel like knowing what's going on can help dictate what you do. Being smart about what you know is going on can really help guide your choices in a positive way. If you know that lumber prices are going up, maybe buy an older house. Maybe don't try to build a new house. Don't try to build something new. Try to refurbish something with what you have. Try to refurbish, you know, whatever you can with the things that you have if you can just because that stuff is getting expensive there are shortages on a lot of things a lot of day-to-day uh, -day goods are no longer available at the levels that they once were some can say that that's COVID some can say that the inflation that we've seen can be a big portion of that and uh, who knows what's going on who knows whether or not we'll be able to uh, really do the things that we want to do in, in the coming time. I think it doesn't really help that we have a guy in office who, as we oftentimes see, may not always have it all together, who doesn't seem like he has our best interests at heart, who oftentimes I'm a little bit scared of. I'm a little bit worried that he might do something against what our morals are. He might do something 
that can really screw us up in certain aspects that I, I don't know if I, I'd love. I think that we need to do what we can. We need to prepare for what's going to happen. We, need, we understand that inflation is getting high. We understand that inflation could get higher. So, you know, put your money in assets right now. Put your money in places where you know it's going to gain money. You know, don't waste your money right now. Be smart about what you're doing. Be smart about how you're living, where you're going, what what's going on, and just... It's not good to not have that understanding. It's not good to go into this blindly. We need to stand around each other and make sure that everybody's knowledgeable about the fact that inflation is just going to keep getting worse. Things are just going to keep getting more expensive. When you go to, you know, a McDonald's or somewhere around here, some, you know, burger place or some Taco Bell, something like that, some fast food joint. Everything's more expensive at this point. Your $5 combo is a lot smaller. Your, you know, this and that is getting smaller. They're cutting back because they need to. This is something that we are all noticing. This is something we got to pay attention to. We're all doing what we can, and, you know, part of that is knowing what to do. You know, I hope we can all have a good discussion on here. I hope we can all have a chance to be able to share what we feel about what's going on and how we can do everything in life. I, I think that this is a great side to be on. I think we, we're very knowledgeable about what's going on. We're gonna be we're gonna be alright, we're gonna make it through in whatever ways we can. Now I'm gonna I wanna help you guys. I want you guys to help me out in whatever ways we can. You know, I wanna get better at doing this podcast. I wanna make more content that you guys would like. You know, whoever's listening, I wanna I I just wanna do something that you guys can like. I wanna provide something that, you know, maybe you guys haven't heard of, maybe provide some dialogue that you you might wanna do. Uh I'm open to guests. Anybody can hit me up with any ways. Uh, go into the comments and I'll try and, you know, respond to you in whatever ways I can. I think this can be a great journey. Uh, I want to do a lot with this podcast. I want to be able to talk about a lot of things. I want to be able to do a lot of things. I want to, you know, just have any conversation that I can about anything. We can talk about you know, cereal if you guys want. I don't really care what we talk about. I I think that we can have a knowledgeable conversation about something that can mean something to a lot of people based on just a lot of different topics, even the cereal that I was just talking about. You could talk about Lucky Charms. I was, you know, e- even if uh, something interesting like this, I, I, I heard on a, I don't even know where I heard this the other day, but I heard of uh, something, some people saying that, uh, would you fight the Lucky Charms character, the Captain uh, Crunch guy? And that was the first time I ever heard of that uh, kind of ultimatum. Uh, I, I don't know who I would fight. I, I, I heard some good arguments for both. Uh, I'll kind of leave that with you guys. Who do you think you guys would rather fight in a battle to the death? Which guy? Lucky Charms guy or Captain Crunch? Alright. I feel like that's a good question. Alright, so next podcast will be out next Friday at 1pm. You can go into the comments section or go into the comments section on my Instagram account and give me some suggested topics that you wanted me to discuss on this podcast or on my instagram account but uh yeah this has been a lot of fun i'm excited for next week and uh, i hope you enjoyed my first making of a podcast thank you and enjoy the rest of your week i'll see you next week this has been andrew have a good night 
We went for two reasons. One, to bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell, as I said at the time. The second reason was to eliminate al-Qaeda's capacity to deal with more attacks in the United States from that territory. We accomplished both of those objectives. 